Good morning. I greet you in the name of the Lord. God is good all the time, and all the time God is good, especially on a day such as this when we are gathered together as the family of God to share in the wonderful works of our Lord in our lives and in the lives of our community. I'm blessed to be able to uh, come and be among you uh, before we get into God's word. A few things I want to share with you. Approximately 10 to 11 years of my life has been spent in the Deep South. It's known as either Kentucky or Northern Virginia. (laughs) And in my time in the Deep South, I learned the meaning of the word y'all. And it's wonderful to be able to hear that in its purest form. But I want to share with you that as your, your pastor, Randy, understands that In Philadelphia and in that other place on the other side of the the weak side of the state, when we say the word y'all, they ask whether it's a vegetable or a fruit. And so we have to explain. And I also want to set the record straight, Randy. I am by no means an Eagles fan. Go Bengals. Who made the playoffs this year? (laughs) I would bring you greetings from the leadership of the Presbytery, but he sits among you. He and I, Randy and I, have been friends for a long time. And in order to understand the place that I hold in our relationship, I call Randy Bubba One, and he calls me Bubba Two. It's a leadership thing. I am blessed, Randy, that you would be willing to uh, give me the privilege of of your pulpit and to be able to share the word of God. I want to invite you all to turn with me to the Gospel of Luke. We're going to be reading a a short verse or two out of the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9. And if you would turn to verse 23. Verse 23. Let us hear the word of God. Then he said to them all, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. The words of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me, please? Lord God and Father of us all, we give you praise and glory and honor and thank you for the gift of this day. We thank you, Father, that you have shown such great love for us. And we thank you, Father, that you have provided a means by which we come to you. And we thank you, Father, for the most precious gift of life and of everlasting life. I ask, Lord God, that you would help us to open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, and our hearts to receive that which you have for us on this your day. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been blessed today to have among you a group of people who God has raised up to be your, your leaders. 
men and women who have been found to be people of faith, who have been judged by you to be strong in their wisdom and their knowledge and their understanding of the word and the will of God, and who have a desire planted within their hearts to serve God in Christ and to be a witness to you and to the community as to the person of Christ. And I want to share with the leaders today uh, a a word from the text that we have read. And I want to help all of you to know that what I share with leadership applies to all of us. One of the tasks of a leader, as you heard from, I believe that was Timothy, uh, that was read today, One of the tasks of leadership is to be a living, breathing example of Jesus Christ. You as church members and the community at large need to be able to look to your leadership, be they deacons or elders or pastors, need to be able to look to them and to see in them Jesus Christ. And I believe that God in his word helps us to understand what that means and gives us ways in which we can live that out. The text that I read for you this morning, just a minute ago out of the Gospel of Luke, I I believe is a wonderful text for us to, to look through today. And I want to first begin, uh, obviously you begin with the first verse. I want to ask you a question. I do not ask rhetorical questions. I want to ask you in the verse, the first verse that we read today, what do you believe is the most important word? As you read that verse, what do you believe is the most important word? Anyone? Follow. Follow. We have the word follow. Anybody else? Daily. Daily. Anyone else? If. If. To my mind, the most important word in this verse is the word if. Because it sets the stage for us to understand where we are as a people of God. Who is it that Jesus is speaking to when he says these words? You see, when Jesus says these words, he has just come from a conversation with his disciples wherein Peter declares that he is the Christ, that he is the Son of God. He is speaking with the leadership of the Christian faith at that time, the disciples. And he looks at them and he begins this statement about coming after him. He begins the statement with the word if. Why in the world would he look at a disciple? Would he look at those who have, for the, for the last number of years, grown up in their faith with him, face to face, day to day, living with him, understanding who he is and understanding what he is doing there? Why would he use the word if? If any of you. Why would he do that? Because he understands, Jesus understands that all of us as believers, because that's who he's speaking with, believers, 
all of us as believers have the capacity to say no to God. As believers, we have the capacity to tell God, to say to Jesus, I don't want to come after you. As believers, we have the ability, in many respects, to deny where it is God would have us go. I believe that that is why Jesus uses this word if and why it is so important to the rest of this text. Now, what what does this say to us as as a, uh, a people of faith? What does this say to leadership as leaders in the church? When we understand that as believers, Jesus tells us that, we, that he understands we have this capacity to turn away, to say no. What does that mean to us? How do we live this out? On a positive side of this equation, I would suggest to you that what Jesus is saying to his disciples is that they must be intentional. If you're taking notes, this is one of three words that I want you to write down. He is calling us to be intentional in everything we do. He's calling us and saying to us as leaders and as a people of God that every day, all day, in the morning through the night and in our dreams through the course of the night, we are called to be intentional about our relationship with Jesus. If we want to demonstrate to the community at large, to our own membership leaders, that we are a living and breathing example of Christ, the very first thing I believe we must do is every minute of our lives intentionally proclaim yes. Intentionally turn away from the word no. So that when Jesus looks to us and says, if you would come after me, we can look to Jesus and say, I do. How many times did we say I do this morning in terms of our vows as leaders in the church? So when Jesus lifts up this word if, he's declaring the capacity to say no, and I believe communicating the need to be absolutely intentional in every choice that we make. Intentionally choosing to come after him, and as we know through the end of the verse, to follow him. And he says it daily, so it's not as though it's a a a once-in-a-lifetime decision. It's an everyday proposition to intentionally follow after him. Now, just to connect it to another piece of scripture so you understand the importance of this, It is in my mind and in my heart and in my belief that there are two commands that God gives us that are inseparable one from the other that we must, we must, with an imperative must, embrace. It is the command to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love each other as Christ loves us. And the the second is the Great Commission. And the Great Commission, in the first two words, is imperative about its intentionality. It says, therefore, what? 
Go. Therefore, go. One of my responsibilities as the mission mobilizer, facilitator, we bounce that around all the time. One of my, one of my responsibilities is to help leaders and leaders and congregations and then congregations themselves to understand what it means to be missional in our life. Missional is a word that defines how we as a people of God live out these two great commandments. And we see it operating most effect mostly in the context of the great commandment and when uh, the Great Commission, excuse me. And when he says to us that we are to go, he's telling us that as leaders in the church and as the church of God at large, we must every day intentionally decide, make an intentional decision that on behalf of Christ, we will go in his name. And not only will we go in his name, but we will go in his name and do that which he has called us to do. You can read Acts 1.8, you can read Acts uh, chapter 2, verse 42 and following, and there's wonderful descripts of what that means. But the bottom line is, as a missional, uh, being called to missional ministry as new wineskins congregations, and I believe just as biblical congregation, we must intentionally say, we will go in the name of Christ and do what he has called us to do. Elders and deacons, your congregation will not live up to that if you are not living up to that. You see, to do this is to live a lifestyle. Live a lifestyle that is defined by the great commandment and the great commission. And the people of God need to see that in you as leaders so that they understand what it means to walk, to do the things that God has called us to do. It calls for intentionality. Now let's go to the next step. It says, if anyone would come after me, if anyone would come after me, in that phrase, come after, there's, there's less this idea uh, about following and more this idea about being with. I believe that what Jesus is saying is that when you make an intentional decision about your life with Christ and every day intentionally saying, I'm going to do what you have called us to do, you are saying, I am going to intentionally live my life the way in which you have called me to live it. I am going to be with you so that others, can, so that others will see you in me. I'm going to give you an I word that will kind of help maybe you understand what this means. The first is to be intentional. The second is to be indigenous. Leaders, elders, deacons, if you were preparing to go into the mission field, if God had called upon you to leave this place of comfort and to go to live in the deepest, darkest parts of Africa, to minister to a tribe that lives in the deepest, darkest part of the Congo, if God called you to go there, 
Would you just pack up your suitcase with your suit and your tie and catch the first flight there and walk into the jungle and say, I am here to share the word of Christ with you? Is that how you would do that? Every mission agency that sends people in the name of Christ to go into the mission field, if they are doing what they are called to do intentionally, they are preparing their missionaries to understand the language, to understand the community in which they're going to minister, to understand the culture, to understand every aspect of that place where they are going. And it doesn't happen overnight. It takes time to prepare a missionary to go into the field. Missional ministry begins right here in your own backyard. That's one of the keys to understanding what it means to be a missional church. When Jesus said to the disciples that he wanted them to go to four places, he began where? Acts chapter 1 verse 8 said we will go first to Jerusalem and then to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Does Jesus say anything haphazardly? Does Jesus just kind of toss off a sentence here or there? Everything he says is with intention and with purpose. Everything. And when he says that I want you to go to Jerusalem, he says Jerusalem first because it's where they live. And he understands that they must take time to prepare to go any further. And they must begin their ministry in their own backyard. And that's what it means to understand being a missional church, is that mission work begins here. Leaders, it begins with those whom God has called you to lead. To equip them to go into your community as a witness to the person of Christ. That means that if you are going to do so intentionally and to do so with an indigenous heart, you have to understand your culture. That's why I'm I'm blessed to know the definition of y'all. And also understand that there is a huge difference between Pittsburgh and Philadelphia. They are entirely, distinctly different cultures. Very much so. You guys don't even know what it means to be rabid football fans. (laughs) Man. And that's what Jesus talks about when he says, "If if you would come after me. He is suggesting to us that we need to understand the people that God is sending us to. The people that he is asking us to embrace. Because I believe with all my heart and soul that I cannot go into your backyard as a guy that lives in Philadelphia. It's impossible for me to go into your backyard and say, Yo, you want to know Jesus? I have to understand your culture. You have to understand your culture. You have to know your neighbors. You have to know the people that live across the street, behind the church, down the block. You need to know who they are, why they are there, how they live, the language they speak, why they speak it. And you learn this not by going in and saying to them, tell me. You learn this by going and being among them as a living, breathing example of Jesus. You allow your lifestyle to communicate 
the love of Christ. And you are able to do that because you've taken the time to understand who they are. Now, I'd be willing to bet, leaders, elders, deacons, that there are people sitting right here in the sanctuary that you don't know who they are. You may know their name. You may know where they work, where they live. You might even know their favorite food. But when you get down to it, do you really know them? Do you really know their heart? Do you really know what drives them to be who they are? To live the kind of life they live? And that's why, elders, it's important for you to know each other and then to demonstrate that among the congregation. So you have a lot of work to do. And if you want to come after him, you need to live intentionally and indigenously. And uh, just to give you an idea of how Paul sees this, if you uh, look to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 22, and I'm actually going to read the, uh, uh, the second half of that. I'll read the whole thing, but dwell on the second half. It says, to, to the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all men, so that by all possible means... I might save some. Paul understood the concept of knowing your people and of knowing the community. He understood what it meant to be indigenous. So now let's, let's go to the next part of, of this text. He says, if anyone would come after me, he must what? He must deny himself and... Take up his cross daily. Now because the word and is there, these two things, denying themselves, denying yourself and taking up your cross are joined. They are a part of each other. And I wonder why it is that Jesus would first say to us, you need to be intentional in the choices you make every day about who you are in me, and you need to know how to live that out in the community where I have placed you, why does he then follow with this idea of denying yourself and taking up your cross? I believe that he does this because it is virtually impossible for us to understand the concept of if, and it is virtually impossible to come after him if we are not denying ourselves and taking up his cross. What's the single biggest problem we have as believers in the faith? The Bible says it's the single largest problem is living by law or living by grace. We understand that as being in charge. I know how to live my life better than God knows how to show me to live my life. I know the decisions I have to make each day in my life in order that I'll make it to the end of the day in one piece. I know how to do these things. Which basically says to God and to Christ, well, you're not catching the meaning of the word if. So he says to us, he he is intentional with this part of this verse 
saying we must deny ourselves. We must be willing to give up who we are, every piece and every part of who we are, so that we can, in fact, be like Jesus. And he says to us, we must deny ourselves and take up our cross. We can't do that under our own power. We can only do that according to the word and the will of God as empowered by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us as believers. So we must deny ourselves in order that the Holy Spirit can work in us to lead us to be Christ with skin on. Now, Jesus demonstrates to us this transformation, if you will. He helps us to understand, and actually, uh, the scriptures help us to understand what this is really all about. We are called to be intentional, we are called to be indigenous, and we are called to live incarnationally. Incarnationally. Immediately following the text that we're studying here, is a a point in the life of Christ where we understand it as the transfiguration. And and a part of what we see in this moment of his life is is seeing him change. And, And the language of it says that his face changed. And what he looked like changed. And the the disciples now see him in a very new and different way. And I believe that who they are seeing is his father. He has been, he is being transfigured. And he, he is becoming in sight more like his father. When we are called to walk this lifestyle that, that God has called us to walk, we must deny ourselves in such a way that the Holy Spirit, when coming in us, when not coming in us, residing in us as believers, has now the wherewithal to lead us to be incarnational in our lifestyle, to live incarnationally, to live like Jesus. Who do you see when you look in the mirror? Oh, it's pretty bad in the morning, isn't it? I know it is for you, Randy. But When we look in the mirror, I'd be willing to bet that every one of us here has looked in the mirror at one point in our lives and gone, oh, that is not a really good person I'm looking at. Every one of us here has at some point in our lives, and maybe even right now, we are dealing with issues of shame, of rejection, things that human beings do with every single day of our lives. But when we look in the mirror, who is it that God says we are seeing as a believer? As someone who is a believer in Christ Jesus, who does God say we are seeing? God. He said, I have created you in my likeness, in my image. In my image I have created you. And then Jesus, by virtue of his birth, life, death, and resurrection, and the power that comes by the blood of Christ, transforms us, making us righteous. That when we look in the mirror, we ought to be seeing that person that we have been transformed into. 
Not because we choose to be, but because God chose us in Christ Jesus to be the living, walking image of God the Father. That's living incarnationally. And when we as leaders take on the mantle of leadership, when we as leaders are responding to his call upon our lives to walk and to to walk the talk, we must understand that first and foremost, every single day, we must be intentional in our choice to do so. And beloved, understand, it's not so much a choice to do so, but it is a choice to live in the context of his command. So it's an intentional decision to be like him in the community in such a way that they see a lifestyle that is lived out according to the words that we bring. That's what it means, in my mind, to walk the talk. I want to share with you from 2 Corinthians chapter 2, Excuse me, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 from verse 12, um, a word here. Paul is saying, now this is our boast. Our conscience testifies that we have conducted ourselves in the world and especially in our relations with you in the holiness and sincerity that are from God. That's how we're called to live. That's how we're called to walk. When these three pieces of our life puzzle come together, it is then that we can say to Jesus, I will follow. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross every single day And follow me. Now, is there anybody here, as a member of the body of Christ, is there anybody here that doesn't want to follow Jesus? I say to all of us, the answer is that, well, no, we want to follow Christ. Well, if you want to follow him, this is the formula that we can take upon ourselves to know how to do this in such a way that glorifies God, enjoys him forever, and becomes a witness to the community. One of the wonderful things about, uh, about the work that I do is that um, I, can, I can see across the, across the country in the context of who we are as New Wineskins congregations, I can see and experience and know that folks like yourselves do want to follow Jesus. And I discover from place to place that there are varying levels in, in how these families of faith are living out their lives in Christ Jesus. The best way for you to understand and to know that you are living this 
intentional indigenous and incarnational lifestyle is by the fruit that comes from it. I see that across our church. It can be judged by the fruit. I wish I could spend more time with you to see more of that fruit because I know it is here. I know the heart of your pastor. And that's really all I need to know. I know the heart of your pastor and I know his heart for you and his heart for the community. I believe that he, for the most part, models this model for you. I can say that because I get to live with him in hotel rooms every once in a while and you don't want to know about that. (laughs) Right, Bubba? Yeah. Yeah. It is a privilege to be able to share this word with you. I commend it to you as a people of God who have been called by him to live a life worthy of that calling who have been called by him to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, to love your neighbor as you know God loves you, and then to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth as a living, breathing proclamation to the truth that God saves. Do I have an amen? Amen. Thank you. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for the gift of your word and I thank you for what you are doing in our hearts and in our minds as we seek to live for you. And I thank you, Lord, that you help us to see that apart from you we can do nothing. And that we must immerse ourselves in your lifestyle, in you, Father. I pray for this family of faith and ask, Lord God, that that you would daily prick their hearts to change just another piece of how they live so that all of us would walk our talk according to your word and your will. We pray in the great and awesome name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior and the family of God praying together says amen and amen. Our hymn is 497, Like a River Glorious. Let's everybody take a hymnal stand as we sing 497.